Hello everyone and welcome to the China Shop, home of the Band of Traders. Today we have something a little different as frequent contributor and China Shop friend Joel MC sent us the audio of his follow-up eval with Baba Yaga and Mr. Banks of Vanta Trading. Before we jump into that conversation, I just want to give a personal thanks to Joel for opening up about his recent struggles and sharing this recording with us so that others going through something similar may find some actionable steps to move forward. A reminder to everyone listening, these evaluations are available to trial members and I highly encourage everyone to capitalize on this offer. Those links will be available in the episode description along with our exclusive 20% discount code. Now without any further ado, grab your notebooks, pull up an NQ chart for 1023 and enjoy the show. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Disclaimer time. This is where I tell everyone to lighten up. It's just a podcast. Trading is like that roller coaster at the amusement park. Thrilling, unpredictable, and potentially stomach-churning. What works for one person might leave another clutching their hat in the wind. Our hosts and guests, they're awesome, knowledgeable, full of insights, but we're not financial advisors. So don't rush to make any investment decisions based solely on our banter. Always consult with a professional or do your own research. Plus, let's face it, we like to have fun, laugh, enjoy the trading ride together. It's all in the name of good podcasting fun. So remember, take it easy, don't bet the farm, and keep your seatbelts on at all times. Thank you for listening. Yeah, so Joel, yeah, Joel, I know, I know that you're kind of telling me a little bit of the story, um, you know, without Bob on. I don't know if you want to fill him in with kind of, you know, the, I guess, the progress or, um, you know, kind of where you're standing, what you're struggling with, um, you know, kind of going forward. Sure. So since it's been exactly three weeks since we did the first evaluation, um, since then I've completely fallen off of everything. Um, the only thing that I have that I can reliably do day in and day out is build levels. And they're actually amazing. If I could figure out how to trade them, um, then this would be a totally different conversation. Where I'm at, so I've taken 17 trades since we met last. I have zero wins, four partial wins where I hit like TP1, maybe TP2. Um, but didn't get a full win out of it. And then 13 losses. Um, my process, numbers, levels, I am 100%. So I have only taken trades that are at levels that I predefined, which is a good thing. Finding setups, it says I'm at 76%. And then well-managed is at 58 So setups is trading a five-minute Liz or a one-minute gain lost. And so that's still, I've taken 13 out of 17 trades were a valid setup. And two of them that were not were today. And so then that leaves me with well-managed, which is 10 trades, which 
is a lot better than where I was. Um, but what I'm finding is, so after we talked, my thing to go back to was to get a week and then 10 days following my process. Whenever I chatted with Mike and Kyle after, we talked about backtesting and my process and what it looks like and how I am actually taking these setups and what the setup is. And I cannot for the life of me find my spreadsheet of my backtesting. And so I started backtesting over again. And the results that I'm getting from backtesting are not the same as what I thought I was trading, nor are they the same as I originally backtested because I wouldn't have gone for it. So now I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like what I thought I was doing, I wasn't doing. So then I tried to recreate what I should be doing and that isn't working, nor is it showing me what I thought I should see whenever I was doing it. So I'm at an absolute loss. So uh, let me ask you this, because I know last time we talked, you were having success with, when you were in process. So yeah, my question is, I know that you, you, you just mentioned that you went through and you basically, uh, the backtesting wasn't exactly, I guess, how you should have been trading them. Um, is it something to look at where you kind of, I don't want to say you disregard it, but if, if you were having success and having you know profitable days is it something to build off of what you were doing before and then just look at it that way and kind of start from there because if it's something to where you're back testing and you're and you're not finding success i mean even if you're doing it correctly it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful right so you know if, if it's a like like i know you trade like liz sit ups if it's a lit if it's a liz but it's not technically produce but it's yours and it's something that you can define. Does that make sense to just trade it that way? I mean, if you're having success. Yeah. Except I don't know what I was doing now. <laughs> like if I go back and look at them, I'm like, well, yeah, that worked. And so I'm not sure what I'm adding to it or changing about it. That gave me the success and the confidence. Well, I think, I think like confidence is its own thing. I mean, cause when you're trading, you know, when you're trading and, and having profitable days and profitable trades, um, I almost feel like, you know, you, like at times you can almost feel like Superman a little bit and kind of, and it's kind of a detriment a little bit. Um, you know, right. some people to where you can kind of feel like I'm, I can enter in here and no matter what I do, I'm going to win. Um, where, you know, some people get like that and it ends up being like a bad thing. Um, but if, if, you know, like, if, if there's a way to go back and, and test, which I'm more than happy to go through on, on trades that you were looking at and having success on, um, I think it, that would be kind of where I would want to start and kind of build it from there. I know that you say you, you, you're not fully confident, I guess, in re, you know, redefining those setups, but if you were having success, I mean, you have the data, um, it's just a matter of going back and looking at it and seeing what worked and what didn't and why right yeah and i was i was trying to look at so i yeah i was looking at your google drive have you been updating that or is it a different excel sheet or google sheet Hmm. it's called trade log game time 
Is that what you're... I have the Apex one. Apex. Oh, you must have a separate one then. Because, I mean, the one I have, I can go back and look and see those, you know, specific trades. Right. And same with, like, I can, I have them all, like, they're all either in Sierra or in Motive Wave. And I can pick them out. The problem is that as I update my levels every day, all you get is that snapshot of candlesticks, right? You don't get the context around it. I guess I could recreate it. So is it the same levels, the same way that you were trading it before in the sense of how you created the levels? It's just a matter of setup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Levels, I'm not even a bit concerned with. Between the gain-loss stuff and the balance area stuff, I can nail it every time. But I'm finding that now that I'm trying to specifically trade and watch for that exact setup, either a gain-loss on a one-minute or a five-minute list, um, I'm missing the trades where I'm just like, I would have taken this. A month ago, I would have taken this, and I just watched it go 200 points without me. And I would have taken it before, but now because it didn't offer that exact setup. So then I don't know what setup I was trading. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think I had way, I had way more flexibility and I had way more intuition built into it, which is fine when it works, but there's no way to track it. There's no way to quantify it. There's no way to replicate it if it's just intuition. Yeah, so one thing is, uh, and this is just, I think, common knowledge for people that have been trading, the last couple weeks have been kind of tough to trade, to be honest with you, Um, just in general. So, you know, when you're looking at a specific setup, yeah, I think a lot of setups are going to have lower win rates over the last couple weeks. Um, And I don't know if it's, you know, war, news, whatever it is. It just seems like the last couple weeks have been harder to trade. Um, Now... Go I was just gonna say you're like uh, there's a lot of overshoot. Um, today there was a really clean opportunity, um, but there's definitely been a lot of um, like volatility's been up. So when you can normally manage risk, um, say to like five to set. Well, I don't know, depending on the product, but five to seven points, like on NQ, those retests or um some of the just wiggle in the market is a little more it's painting outside the lines a little bit so um that that is something to factor in but also to i mean we either have to be able to manage risk well enough to survive a stretch like this or not trade as much when we begin to see you know things becoming kind of unstable like we had some weird uh there was a couple days of real disjointed price action between nq and es i mean that's like a that's a a definite like red flag um but yeah i was just gonna say that about volatility it has been a it has been a little bit wild the last couple days i mean look at the ranges in general so so i i think if your levels are like if you feel good about those, then let's let's just do a little little exercise where we go. We let's just go look at something, um, a level or levels that you had, and then how could we have traded off of them? 
Is this what you, that, that what you just sent me? So your 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 three trades today were all shorts, correct? Yep, and they were all in the same place on that chart I just posted, just below that red box or right at that red box. Yep. The one's not on there because it was in my top step account. Uh, let me look at the setups real quick. So five minute Liz, no setup, five minute Liz. Okay, so the no setup one, just throw that out because probably shouldn't have traded that anyway. So the five yeah. minute Liz. Um, so let's see, 57. I'm going to go to my five minutes so I can match it up. 10.35, so it'd be like 11.35 your time. So what ma- what makes that a Liz candle? So uh, in my picture, the yellow candle closed just below the blue one at an area where I was expecting price to turn. So at 14.777 was a one-hour hold level. And, is, and that's based on gain loss, correct? Yeah. And so because it was at 7.77 and we had like to the left of that, there's a like two fairly good-sized wicks on yellow candles. And so I was waiting for something to turn there. And the first trade would have been a Liz, except that one wick went higher, which I missed that. You know, I was intending to trade it as a Liz and the setup was right. It's just, I misread the candles. So that's an error. It's fine. I'm not even mad about it. I'm not even mad about either trades today. All right. So, so on the Liz, explain just, just in the easiest terms. So it's a close above the previous candle high correct or low whichever way you're going right and so then you look to sell either the body or the wick of the candle that made the high with your stop above it okay and it's it it basically it can be a it can be a two like a two bar close so it can be the very next candle or, or it could be a couple candles correct correct okay it just has to be, um, like, basically it indicates a change in direction. Is there a, um, so like, um, obviously the one that you're circling and the line and all that, that up close candle was pretty strong. I mean, that was the break of this uh, ascending consolidation. So I think um, one thing that you could consider is the size of the, of the candle that you're using, maybe you want us uh, to quantify or qualify further qualify. You could add a, a breadth to the thing. Um, Cause like I would be much more inclined to short that uh, the one you have circled with the line yep. upon a retest, especially with that little sneaky little devil doji in there. And there's some other structural stuff going on with that candle that makes closing where they above where they failed to close above there um, kind of stand out to me where those, where we push back up and test it again and then kind of proceeded to fall off. Right. So I wonder just maybe something to put in, in the notes to look at is um, go through and look at Liz candles and, and look at the, the breadth of that candle and then contrast that against the win rate for those. 
you know, yes, that, uh, you know, you were in a zone that you had predefined and you had potentially, you know, a setup. Um, so I think the hard thing about the short trade, which again, you were close, right? The hard thing about the short trade is the fact that we failed to have any follow through when we swept overnight low. And the sentiment of the market as a whole, everybody was trying to, you know, short it. I think that was really what the the rally today was more about than anything. Um, was just tight stops and, you know, them just getting eaten alive all day. So this is something that I have to I have to work on. Like this is an area that I am still working on, and that is sitting. So the from the, the worst of days to the best of days, okay? The days that are the best are the days that I am I am thinking, how am I going to scale these this trade off? Like, how am I going to de-risk out of this trade? Um, you know, am I going to scale some here, or do I want to scale some higher, or scale some here, or scale some lower? The days that I trade poorly, or or really, really, really good, but there's no middle ground, are the days that I am an hour into the market and am waiting for price to be to finish an excursion to a place that I've predefined it shouldn't go past because either below or above an area. And what what that oftentimes does is it allows um, like I get a little bit impatient. Market momentum is up, so. Um, either to the upside or downside. Let's say I have a level um, like your chart or your picture shows that right off the open, you had a level just above, right? And then you had a level, yeah. you know, a couple 150 points above. Um, when when this first area, and this, this is part of like the trust in your work side that's really hard, it's also that uh, blue zone to the bottom. Was that a an area that you wanted to trade as well? That peak of overnight lows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, there were, and I mean this as nice as possible. There were way better trades to be trying to even get position for than to short uh, a two hundred point rally. Oh yeah. You know, just I know. Like, like, and that's that's hard to like. That's hard to like. I don't say that to be like and see, Jewel. That's why you. Ha- I, I just mean like sometimes zooming the lens way out and going, what, 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 it, what makes some, what makes the most sense? We're looking back at a day. We have the advantage of of seeing how it unfolded, but the skill of recognizing that as the day unfolds, we only learn that skill from these kind of things. So right. my thing that I'm trying to work on in my own trading as well. And I mean, banks and I talked about this uh, earlier today for an hour. We texted about it over the weekend. We talked about it last week. And then this is an area that I was doing. I was, I would say finding more success in say two months ago than I am in this, like right this second. But that was trusting that the areas that I think matter uh, matter, and so trying to figure out okay if we hold this five 
whatever that was, 530s or 535s or whatever, if it seems that that's holding, how can I figure out a way to hitch my wagon to go at least to test out to the next level above since it held that I think is reasonable? Like not because positioning in the direction that we're going, like where we're traversing to, um, right. your entries don't don't have to be nearly as sharp. Right. Like if you put forth and this is really hard and it causes us to have to go look at our setups and and look at our methods and maybe retool them a little bit, which you're in a great spot to do. And you, you know, you're Mm -hmm. aware of some current challenges that you're experiencing. So it's an opportunity as much as anything. And I would definitely view it that way. But it's an opportunity to go, okay, if I know if I feel confident in the in the 430s that. If, if we hold there, I don't want to be short until at least the five or the six sixties. Okay. Well, that's 130, right. 20 points right there. So if I don't want to be short till up there, what will it mean about the market when we get there? It'll mean the market rallied through the OR. It'll mean the market rallied through some portion of the overnight range uh, I don't remember what OR high, or overnight high was specifically yesterday, but um, or from today. But it, but there will be some things that have now started to unfold um, that could really give the market some real momentum, and it, and that six sixties um, or that seven sixties or something. I feel like that was a I can't remember. There was some conversations on our end of some some levels up there as well. So it's a, definitely a spot to look for. Um, some type of you know activity, but being able to and I'm again I'm this is this is a difficult attribute to not to do, but it's a difficult attribute to maintain because the the trusting okay we held thirty fives there's no short here for me until six fifties so I need to now be okay with upside moves so it's a pivot maybe from the initial thought and then i need to be looking for maybe even a generous setup meaning this is i carefully say this but i think you'll get what i'm maybe it doesn't check all the boxes banks don't freak out maybe it only checks two of the three boxes but it's in the direction it's in the prevailing wind is to and we're going to go most likely to trade through OR into that 650 or 670 spot. It's going to, if, if, if you're positioning for that, you don't have to be as perfect on your entry to get a short off today that paid anything, you know, worth anything was a last little, like last hour and some change of the day, you know, and you had to wait for it and wait for it and wait for it and pass on a lot of seemingly beautiful, short setups since there, there were a couple that seemed pretty believable um, to me there were a couple but it's that story that's unfolding that and it's like okay if we're holding those 35s we just trash canned everybody that was long from overnight but then really we just did that to take their you know take their stops effectively and the bid that showed up would that right. that whole situation that happened would be a great one to replay and look at on different time frames with different things to build that awareness of when that shows up 
Um, but I, I do think that a, a thing I would caution you away from is sitting idle for a long time. Um, if your levels are 150 to 200 points away from where we start the day or where we get this real responsive bid because the freight train is rolling at that point. And yes, like I, like I mentioned, when it works, you know, you, you see a whole move unwind, you know, give up the 150 points they just built, you know, but when it doesn't, you find yourself trying to take these stabs. Um, and yeah, they're in good spot. Like they're in key spots for your work, but I am currently working on actually, just to be quite honest with everybody, I'm, I'm working on a, an adjustment to, um, an adjusted setup for those later, like the later stages of a move when it, when I'm, when I've taken all my profit and we're up however much or down, however much I'm working on kind of another setup altogether that allows me to take part in that second, you know, rotation off the highs, but letting somebody else take the bait and seal the deal to get the first rotation off the highs. So meaning like, you know, the first big pullback and even the first re-offer of that big pullback, how do I take part in the second leg of that, you know, call it distribution from the highs or distribution off the lows in a way that I can manage risk, not have this huge stop, you know, stop with, and it be in an area that's like make or break. So, I mean, that's that because you take it, let's say you took the OR trade, you scaled out 60 points in, you know, if you're available and you get, to, and then market gets to your key level. Okay. What kind of setup do I need to unfold that would let me, that would give me a better rate, like hit rate on those big fades. If I'm going to be trying to do those and it's not trying to pick the top, of course, that's, that's definitely not, not it. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but that's a long winded answer. But that's something I would, I would say look look at those setups. What does the setup need to be when we've ran 150 or 200 points? Um, and then is there a way to take part in the the move a little bit earlier to go out and test one of your levels? Um, kind of that trade the market from the inside out versus waiting to try to fade it from the outside back in. Yeah, I know that's that is. I've said it ever since we talked before. My biggest downfall is I only have like a reversion trade. I only have a fade set up. I don't have any way to quantify jumping onto a trend. I don't have, if I miss that bottom or I miss that top, then I'm basically cooked until the market does another big move because I don't have any way to jump on because every time that I would try and jump on, um, either it works or it doesn't work, but again, it's not quantifiable, right? And so if I just say, well, I'm just going to buy OR high if it breaks through OR low, breaks through OR high, I'm just going to buy OR high on its way up to my next level. But how do you turn that into something that you can trade over and over again? Does that just turn into, well, I just buy OR high when it breaks out? No, 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 you don't. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not doing that. no. And I don't want to do that either. Yeah. So, you know, in essence, the, the short that you had, um, you know, I, I know I talk a lot about like liquidity and stuff like that. So the, the level that you had there at 
77, I believe, 777. Yeah. Um, if you look, le- I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but if you look left, we really had like a pretty big major swing high at 803. So sh- shorting there, yeah, it does make a little bit of sense in the sense of holding that area. But like what we were talking about in, you know, in into that pre-market or you know, not pre-market, but before we like came on here is what highs truly matter and what highs we truly need to take for these moves to continue. Right. And I think that's something that it can be kind of, I mean, I'm still, I'm still doing some, you know, some back testing on some of that stuff. Um, but, but like this picture right here, um, these are old, old five minute fair value gaps. Right. So these are ones that have been traded through too. So like the way that I use a lot of these fair value gaps is when you start to see them fail is when you start to see some sort of change of trend, change of structure, whatever you want to call it. So I use it a little bit differently, but like this right here with this like huge move up to take that high at 803 and then coming back down, we basically made the high, didn't get acceptance above, traded back through it. Well, the sellers who stepped up on that high, they need to step up on this first, you know, this first five minute fair value gap, which in essence was your Liz setup. Right. But we didn't have a five minute print until then. So in that area that you were shorting, we didn't have any sort of like major move to, to have buyers like really step on the pedal. It's just a slow grind. We had areas on the way up, which we really didn't have a lot, to be honest with you. Um, the parts like 720, 730s, which we came back, tested once, and then we pushed. But we didn't have another one print until we had those two fail at the highs. Right. So that's what I like. I use a lot of those for like change of structure, or change of trend or reversal or whatever you want to call it. But like, like in essence, like a, and I, I'm going to read Kyle's continuation, Liz. Yeah. I, I mean, that that's what I was going to say. So like, like for a trend day, is there a continuation, Liz, that you look at or a continuation set up for that trend? Cause like if I'm understanding it correctly, it's a five minute close above or it's a five minute close either above the high or above the low of that candle. And that classifies as a Liz, correct? Right. Is is there a specific candle that you're looking at or is that just the setup? It has to be the candle that made the high. Yeah, it has to be the candle that made the high and it has to be at an area of interest. Okay. Because each candle creates on the way up, they all create new highs, but you have to differentiate like, is it just diddling in the middle or is it actually at an area where you would expect the market to turn? Because it isn't meant to be a reversion, right? Well, and that's what I'm curious because like the low that we came down at like 1045 my time down to like 720s, it was, it's not really a, it's a doji candle, but the candle that had the big move back through those highs. Um, You're I'm just kind of thinking, I'm just kind of thinking outside the box here. Um, I have mm-hmm. no idea, but I'm just kind of throwing something out there. But basically using that, like using something where it's like a continuation low and using the candle that pushes out of that low, because if it's going to continue, you're going to have that bigger move out of that area. Every single low on a continuation trend day is going to have a buyer step in and move this 
30 points off of that low, whatever that low comes in. Right. I'm just like hypothetically right. using that candle as your kind of setup candle. And that's something just to like look at. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of spitballing here for those continuation, but I don't know. I, I would have to do some back testing on some of that stuff, but I'm just more curious. Yeah. And I, I just posted a picture and I wonder if this is something you could play with too, Joel, for setups. Um, kind of, it's nice when we see some, so like Banks has drilled into my head the idea of accomplishing something like let someone accomplish something and then try to join in with them basically. Um, right. And I think that goes with like the vibes of your trading um, as from what your the setups that you we've talked about. So even here in this, like each one of these trades I picked out, there's actually two of them in each like there's actually two places that this happens. I just took the the later one to kind of to build in the idea of like you don't have to be the f- catch it right on the nut. If you go back to when we we first trade into your zone, we trade back out of your zone. Like the low that most immediately that brought you into your zone, the the wick of that we never close back below that. And then we push back into your zone again. We close above it and we close above the high that they attempted to reject. Um, right. And then we pull back into your zone. Kind of those three candles there just before the one that I put the circle around or the square around. So you've yeah. got blue, yep. yellow, yellow, and then the big blue candle that I put a yellow box around. Neither of yep. those, they, they don't, they don't, we open outside of it and suck back in, but we never take the low of the candle that took the prior high. So, and then we trade through that high. So we've made one, one local high, two local high, three local high, and then we have 10 minutes of consolidation and then we break out. And obviously it's not always going to set up exactly like this, right? but the idea of that, the candle that is breaking from your level through the local high could be a, a, and it closes above the old high could be a place to look for a setup. Even if you went from that five minute down to a one minute, but once you're trading above your red zone, I mean, I would be looking for the, you know, for then to go to the next area um, because right. that one, you know, tried to hold. I mean, you can see it in the way we interacted with it and it never, and never, um, it didn't provide that response. And so you've got the width of that body, that breakout candle, or you could take half the width of that body. Um, half the width of the body, um, might be more preferred. Um, you know, it's, you're going to take stops one way or the other, if you're just going on some hard and fast rule, but the but the thing I'm more interested in is the follow through that came after that. I mean, you we basically just proceeded to grind straight up to your next zone. So if you want to talk about uh, how do you find a continuation setup or a way to to not be fading, you know, you have an alert set when we interact with your first red level. Oh, we're interacting with yeah. this. 
do you have a great short setup there? If not, then maybe you think of the idea of if that first level fails, what is that what is that propulsion out of there look like? Or for you, what does it need to look like for you to be able to trade it? And you might not get that look all the time, but sometimes you might get it. And if you get the look you're look you know, you want to see, then you get a chance to take it to the next level. And then I'm sure that you're I mean, you're smart enough to see that like the the candle that I put the yellow rectangle around is effectively just the opposite setup of the long one. So that one took longer to produce and press deeper into it and would have made me a little bit nervous, honestly, but it still ended up, you know, you didn't get all the way to the red zone below, but the trade had enough meat on the bone to trade back through and, and at least provide something. So I wonder if looking back at levels that you've had, in days past, weeks past, or even forward testing and going, okay, candle that breaks to a new high after clearing my level, you know, how do I, how do I interact with that? Now you can see that, that like 80 point candle that blew through the high and then immediately, you know, trace back in, um, would have been, I mean, I don't know if you would have been taking that to try to seek continuation at that point. That might've been tough, but definitely between the first two zones, um, that trade made a lot of sense. And then the fade trade right. on the backside kind of made a lot of sense because they they really failed to close kind of where they needed to. They failed to, to regain anything on that first attempt to bid back up, and then it just kind of gave up. And so that breakdown candle that takes out all those lows, and then we never trade back through the high of it, there's probably a setup there on some time frame or even on the five-minute you can play with that um, and see if that doesn't help with that idea of trading out to levels. Because, I mean, I fight the same battle, dude, is I want to sit back. And, and it's probably for different reasons. Mine's arrogance and, you know, thinking that I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I want to sit back and be like, and top of the market, buy. And bottom of the market, buy. Like, if left to my own device, if left to my own self, that's what I want to be able to do because that's sexy. But the reality is like, that's a tough way to make a living. And so how do we use our ability to create really responsive levels? Um, how do we better set ourselves up to take advantage of what, what we can produce? And I think that that kind of setup that, that I just posted there might fit in your toolbox decently well. Yeah, and, and I think so. You know, just to piggy and just to piggyback off of that. So like if you're looking at like a one minute, um, like on that same setup, um, so these are not filled, but at the same time, so you see us push the high at up to like six eighty eight and that push back down low. If this area is going to be the move, then basically I want to see that high get re offered. If that's gonna be the high. I want to see that get reoffered. So the push back to your level, in essence, back to the low 70s, upper 60s, low 70s, that first push, when we yeah. couldn't get initiation back to the downside, I think your level right there is something to where you could lean on and say, I'm going to get long on this area and basically just put my stop. And I'm not, you could probably tighten this up. Or I was going to say you could have two two separate things. You could basically say, you know, basically I don't want to see it close below 640 or whatever that low candle is. 
Um, or you could wait for it to break out of this range and push higher. So the push up to like 703 and pull back to like 688, this is a one minute right here. You know you're above your level. Your risk of this move is basically upper 80s with no close below like 78, 76. So we didn't quite get there, but if you look at those candles like on that from 10 o'clock or 1001, those like consolidation period. Yep. Like this is that, that far right candle is the candle that I love to trade. You're breaking out of a range slightly kind of into a zone, into an area of, of where, you know, you want to be bullish above. And that's the trade that should take you to the highs or at least reoffer or into a reoffer spot. Now this is a tighter window. Um, but th this trade in essence should have taken you through 716 and then basically the push through to go test higher. And if you're looking at your levels, then they went right to your level, which is, I mean, it's not going to work that way every single day, but there, there's spots that you can do on these continuations. It's just a matter of figuring out the, the area where your levels are and figuring out how you want to have a structure based around that. Um, I, I think what Baba laid out, I think, is a great structure. I mean, you can see it play out twice. It won't happen like that every day. But like you can get confirmation on a smaller time frame of that trade and even tighten the risk a little bit because it's not always going to be that tight of risk either. But you can tighten it down on a one minute um, or whatever time frame you want to. Right. But but your your levels are are good. It's just a matter of you know, like Baba said, trading out to those levels, not trying to look to, you know, like, like, like today, this would have been a great day to say, I'm going to be exiting and taking profit at these levels. And if it makes me want to short or makes me have a setup to the short side, then I'm going to cut it. But it didn't force you to get out of any trade. And the, and the, the reason that, that you could ascertain that pretty early on in the day was because of the, the peak and fail on the overnight um, that that's that, that being a fresh new low also being lower than a daily low, but being a Globex low and the way we came into the open peaking that and then not finding any follow through. Cause like there's a lot of times we break through the overnight low and that's like the initiative move that begins a hundred point sell. But like when, but when they had the chance to do that, they, fumbled and then it was that was all she wrote and so i think the immediate unfolding of the auction which i know you don't watch like tick for tick trade for trade but the immediate like sometimes i give too much of a chance to either side like too too much benefit of the doubt like well you know they failed it overnight low but they'll just let it bounce up 40 or 50 points and then they'll they'll drive through it like bro they just right. they just failed at yeah. the overnight low like they just did and like we just we have 5 minutes of price action that shows us that a lot of somebody's were really excited to bid the devil out of that so that when bank says like this is a day you can look to then try to be a part of a move to out to your levels it's not it's because of that context which he was long today from the nut low so don't let him you know, 
let him <laughs> don't, let, don't let him act like it like uh, oh yeah this all takes time like all, all they did today the, all those guys is just nail the easiest trade of the day scale it as we went up so um the point is though that the breadcrumbs were there for that um for that daytime and, and because they failed that and that's something i'm working on too is like is again not giving too much benefit of the doubt like as soon as they do something stupid being willing to start looking for a setup as quickly as possible to take advantage of what might happen and i think that's that might be a little bit of what what you may feel and i fight this as well and it's i don't have to know what's gonna happen to do well i just have to know where something is likely to happen so overnight low is a place where something is likely to happen. So when we trade into that, I need to be really paying attention. Your levels, right. you don't know that the red box is going to be a sell zone or, or anything, but you anticipate that something should happen there. Yeah, and then my the trick red is, means it was above the, at the open. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Doesn't necessarily mean buy or sell. sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when we get to one of those spots, the nuance of of what is the most what is the current unfolding auction most obviously tell me and then what setup is presenting itself. Because and then looking at those areas like inflection points more so than places for uh, hard stop activity like hard stop reversal or whatever you know um, the way that I used to label zones and I should probably actually now I just write uh, like an arrow up or down at zones that matter to me on my notepad um, but I used to label them as like some zones were just places I'll just like would like to see us trade through and then other zones were tagged as pivotal Meaning, like, if we trade above this, we should really start to unwind. Or if we trade below this, we should really start to unwind. And and I was real careful to not overuse that pivotal tag for an area. Um, so I would kind of go, okay, you know, is there really that much potential here? Maybe not here, but up there or oh, way up there. Okay, that spot is is pivotal. And I would try to quantify the difference between a spot that I thought something could happen and then every and then the few spots where I was like man I think that we could reverse here and I just have to be real careful to not fire you know 10 trades off trying to force that idea on the market if it comes to one of those spots so I got myself down to only taking two trades <laughs> yeah. Instead of 10. That's, yeah. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is to just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. 
Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, S-P-U-L-L-E-N at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Did you, were you on the town hall where we did places of potential yeah. versus In August? places that we know what will happen? Yeah. Yeah, I watched it about four times, maybe five. Yeah, yeah. And that's where some of that uh, mindset comes from with what what I'm talking about and what Banks is talking about. Um, But then also that's why when we did our uh, like our evaluation uh, first episode with you, we talked about I believe we talked about where where we are in a four hour and one hour cycle when we come into an area that you're considering opening a trade. Um, is a is a whole nother piece of the puzzle that I really think actually Purdue I think does a really good job of being mindful of that and banks obviously as well. Yeah, I agree. And that could be part of could be part of some of the nuance to how you um, filter some decision making for that. But we've said a lot of stuff. What what are some thoughts you have from what we've said, or what are some uh, further questions? Do you feel like any of this is helpful? Do we need to go a different direction? I think it's all helpful. It's a pile to digest. Um, it is. I think that like the fact that you guys can just recognize by looking at my chart and going like, see how this candle breaks out and it takes out these highs and you could risk it down to here. I think that's maybe something that I don't like. I don't do enough of because I'm so focused on just trying to do my one thing and do it well that right. I don't look for those other things and then I don't act on them either, right? Oh, and that, I mean, that's okay though. I think the right thing is to trade setups that make sense to you. But when you start to see the results tarry too far away from what should be in, you know, when you're outside of statistical, like a deviation or, you know, in a set of, results you're like ah, i think something's off here hold on you know like you know yep. 13 to 17 that it's that that is time to pump the brakes and go okay oh hold on what, what do we got so you're doing you know for the most part the process but you've now kind of been you know gotten some clarity to like ah uh, maybe we need to retool this a little bit and that's good i mean that's fine like i think the worst thing for me is when i'm in a hurry to see results or to like achieve a goal, you know, to be honest, like, like when they, these combines, they have like, you can pass this in two days, no matter the size, if it's a 50,000 or 300,000 or whatever size, 150,000 or whatever, my mind immediately goes to, what do you think my goal is, is to pass it in two days because that's the shortest amount of time you can do it. in. I don't want to waste time trading in that, that, it's not doing anything for me. So, but then oftentimes those are the, then you, you probably, well, for me, I'll kill it one day and make, you know, if it's 150 K I'll make $4,500. And then the next day I'll take a full, you know, I'll trade it until it's like, wow, I just gave back most of what I did yesterday. Why? <laughs> deviating from a setup, deviating from a plan and completely just thinking, 
that I'm the best in the world, which is laughable. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to go make five grand real quick. And the real quick or the by this date or, oh, in three days, I'm going to finish this or in five days or two weeks or whatever. It's great to have goals and stuff like that. But the, the goals are there to serve you, not to rule over you. So like, I would just encourage you not to, you know, don't, don't, don't get panicked with the idea of seeing your P&L recover to where it was before this stretch of frustration. Um, really, this is the time to really dig into process and again, conversations like this and looking for, um, okay, these setups that I thought were killing it for me in a good way, they're not. So now I need to revisit the setup idea. My levels are great. So around my levels, what is presented to me? And then it's easy for, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, so it's easy to look at this and go, well, if I had confidence in that red box as being responsive, that's that's the easiest way to trade it on the information that I see in this chart. Um, but right. in the moment, as it's unfolding, you then have to be looking for that, you know, like, okay, what do I want to see? Okay, we don't want to see this low get taken out. I want to see this impulse through this high and then the candle that closes as a as a new high starting from my level going out that candle is the one that is my initiation candle so my risk now is inside the body of that candle now i can identify that risk in a 30 second time frame a one minute time frame a 512 trade time frame or stay on the five minute and eat, eat some larger risk and then you could probably go through and look at uh the size of the initiative candle um What's the expected like? What's the expectancy of that? Like with some with some even just eyeball test over two weeks and go, dang! Every one of those gives three to one. Well, now you've just you're good. You don't even have to trade. They don't even have to work half the time, and you're making money, right? Um, per se. So you know, capturing this this chicken that runs around and runs away from us, uh, seemingly runs away from us all the time. It's not, it's not like uh, finding a golden goose or something. There's 50 million ways to trade this stuff. And I think finding the one that stands out to you, and if the one that stood out to you before doesn't seem to be providing what you need, then let's, let's work on a couple of different ones, you know? But here's the thing, though. I would never, and this is what I would say, too, like I would not just be in no man's land and look for a one-minute gain set up and be like oh, I'm no. piling here is, you know I want to we want to <laughs> qualify that in the context of an area that we think should produce something and that's where you'll see the right. hold rate you know be a little higher on that because you know the markets she's she wild sometimes well and that's one thing I am good at is I used to be super bad for it um, I've beaten it out of myself where if I have levels I'll trade them and I've gotten really good at waiting for them. Used to be that I didn't. I would just take whatever. But um, so I think step one was getting myself to only trade at levels. Now it's getting myself to trade at levels, but in a constructive way. And so figuring that out is going to be the next. Yeah, in a way that that you see that you recognize, and in a way that is in accordance with what's unfolding. You know, which is where Banks needs to he needs to send you a bunch of stuff, or he needs to go make a bunch of videos about his liquidity stuff because I think that that really gives somewhat of a I would say an 
appropriate bias for the next chunk of movement. Well, and I was actually talking to Bob about this, but uh, but something that is I've kind of noticed is those gain loss levels that happen at at liquidity, like at at hourly swing highs and swing lows, tend to be the highs and lows that typically matter. Like you can have an hourly swing high, swing low, but a hold zone compared to like an actual activated gain or loss level is different. Right. So, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. So like, yeah, like, you know, today, for instance, uh, I didn't really have anything up in the eight eight fifties, wherever we stopped today on NQ, but the level at 803 was important. The swing high at 803 was important, which getting above that, I mean, if you look at the way that we did that, I'm assuming that that was pretty much all stops above that because you, you know, we didn't get the acceptance that we needed to, to push higher and we just traded straight back down through it. Yeah. So, and, and I think that like, that's one thing to, to notice too. Like when you get into, um, I'll say two things when you get, when, like when you get into a trade at one of your levels, I don't know the time it takes for your trades to typically work out, but in theory, with your levels, it should happen fairly quick. I mean, you should know fairly quickly if you're on the right side of it. And what I mean by that is we typically won't come back and retest it if it if it's going to be like the high or the low. And the move that comes off of it is typically going to be a decent sized move. So now we may come back and reoffer or rebid that area, but it's going to be from a spot where you're if you're going to be the initial buyer you're not going to be hurt on that move. If they're going to do like the NQ special where they come up into and pop the high or pop that low that you were in initially, it's probably going to be one of those where we go target something that's a greater than where you're thinking. So like your shorts today, in oh, seven, you know, seven, like seven seventies. Yeah. They, they made it work for 10, 15 points, but then they came back and stopped you out. Yeah. Where if it's if it's going to be a reversal, you want to see 30, 50 points almost immediately and then come back into a reoffer spot. Now, what like exactly like what they did at the high is exactly what I want to see on a high or a low, because that that shows the initiation of those sellers stepping up and saying, you're not going to fucking pass this line. <laughs> like like you want to see right. them step up and say, like, this is the spot that we're going to protect. And then, and then what Bob is getting at is the entry doesn't have to be on that. It can be on the part where it's coming back, where you get the, the reoffer spot where you may, you may drop 50 to a hundred points, but you bounce back, you know, let's say you drop 50 points like we did, or even, even more than that, you know, where you get up you know, 20, 30 point bounce off of that. And that's the spot that you can actually have some sort of structured reoffer where you're not risking. Well, I'm going to get short above 804. Well, we went to 855. So how are you going to trade that? You know, well, you're not yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then the other thing is when you're looking at these gain loss levels and I'm thinking of it as like the way I look at liquidity, if you get acceptance above like above that level. And and what I mean by acceptance, like if we pop one of those levels, then let's just say it's 777. If we if we pop that level and 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 we don't get like a quick reversal in and back through and you kind of see that cell work out, 
I'd be curious to look and see like back to like if you were back testing like how those levels play out. If it's like a, an immediate push, if they're going to step up and hold that, if those areas are going to be like key spots or like today where you get into that spot and you get a move out of it for 20, 30 points and then you come back and test it. And, 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 and basically you could say like, if, if this is going to be the spot and if it's, you know, and if, you know, it's going to be a, like a trade setup to where, yeah, you can probably go risk off because you know that if, if it comes back to your entry at this level, then we're probably targeting the next spot above you. Because in essence, those areas should be initiation points on gain loss stuff. Right. And if you get acceptance above it, like, like on liquidity, if you get, like, if we would have got acceptance below 520, and what I mean by acceptance, if you would have had a push below 520, and you could say probably two things. You could say if we basically consolidated there, or if we just slid straight through it and continued to push. I'm not trying to buy right. that if we're doing either of those. If you get a push, if you get a poke below overnight, you know, low, and all of a sudden we're 20, 30 points higher and we're pushing through like reoffer spots on a smaller time frame, that to me tells me that the buyers are here to play. That if if there's a trade set up to the buy side, I want to be in it to go target a high. So the same way looking at gain loss stuff, if you have initiation through that level for a considerable number of points or we halt at that level, I'd be curious to see like when you go to back test it is if that's really a respectable level or if that's a level that, yeah, we'll stop here or, you know, we'll settle here or whatever. Um, but it, it's going to be like, like today, that level that you had, we basically just halted there for like, a, you know, a considerable amount of time. And then you finally got the push of initiation through it. So, right. You know, shorting in that area. Yeah. One time I would say that, you know, if the, like, if it sets up, yeah, absolutely. But when you start to get it where it's like two, three times in the same area with no follow through, then I just think that it's in the wrong spot. I think that they're probably looking to get something higher. Cause it should have been an immediate reaction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because in essence, you're coming into a spot where sellers need to protect, at least for game, right. like with what you look at. So you want to see yeah. an immediate reaction, which, which, which I see this a lot on gain loss stuff, where like they missed, they they came short of it, like to the 60s, and you basically got like a 30 point pull, and then came and touched the level, and then consolidated there, got 10 point pushes back and forth, and then basically took that you know, took that level out. Right. Yeah. But you're, you're looking in the right spots, dude. I think so. That's the encouraging thing. It's just, and that's, I mean, I will say this. Some people are really good at like slinging trades around and like not really doing the homework and they, they just have a good intuition about, oh, this is a great entry. And then some people are methodical and great at like, this is a zone, this is a zone. And if, you know, when you can start to marry those two things together um, by defining some great setups that you've seen provide good entries and risk management, all that with your levels, that's when you kind of go to kind of another thing. Because you might, you, you know, like like you're strong at finding zones, you understand gaining and losing. Like, so the, even just looking at your chart, the areas you got on there are great. 
um, areas of interest. It just comes down to how do you interact with them. Hopefully, some of what we talked about is, is, is helpful for it. Yeah, that's my biggest thing, how to interact with them. I think that story side is big. So think ahead. Know what it takes to activate a level, um, gain and lose. Like you know what, you know what swing high or swing low needs a close above or a close below. Yep. Yeah. And so, as you're looking at your zones and as we interact with them, because um, most of the zones you have five to ten minutes to make a decision. Anyway, it's not like you got to snap in right when we get there. So you look at it and go, okay, right. What what would buyers be trying to do? here what would they be needing to close above to create something else and then for the sellers what are they what, what would they need to defend or work hard against or what have buyers already lost that could be a you, you see what i'm saying you start to build like you start to think through it like a playbook for the bid side or offer side and then who's who's actually accomplishing or on the route to accomplishing what they would need to, and then try to be a part of that adventure, the anticipation that that side is going to at least accomplish the minimum, the minimal, you know, like buyers, buyers needed to close above 717 today on the, on the hourly um, to get that move to the low gained. Or you could have said they need to close above, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, you could almost make a case for, uh, and that's why I still have that little blue zone down there um, between like 664 and 6, uh, 680 because that, that little wick up right there is not quite an inside bar to to that leg down or that that hour candle down, but it's darn close. And so a right. more compact view, I'm sure on a smaller time frame, that trend start, that that move to the low that we gained is somewhere down there as well. So if the hourly doesn't hold it, they want to get cheeky with a wick, some kind of stupid move. That that six, you know, six seventy or or whatever, somewhere in there needs to be real responsive. And so I'll be watching for that. Fifty. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because then yeah. what what that allows for? So then you like so then this is what this is what I do sometimes is just think through this. Okay, so what 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 that allows for? That allows for us to trade a couple of different ways. We could peak above this overnight high here at 768, um, and then we could trade back through, um, and we could, um, like through the London session, we could trade into either a sweep of 700 and then catch a bid. So we could sweep overnight. If we sweep overnight highs now, it'd be interesting to me to see us then come back and sweep RTH low or overnight low by just a little bit and then you've pre-tested the high right like the local high and then and then you've took all the liquidity to the downside and then and then everyone is thinking oh bearish 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 but we are sitting here thinking well that's true bearish posturing but this is where the buyers would actually be interested to step up and defend what they've accomplished as we pull down maybe even below 700 for a little blip. And then if we catch that bid there, that that move has legs for the people that are attempting to accomplish, you know, what we're trying to accomplish through, you know, 887 um, 
887. And then the easy part is, well, if there's that much meat on the bone, and all of that's contingent upon how we go, how we develop the auction to go do all of that. But if there's that much meat on the bone, I only need to get a little bit off of it, you know. So right. even if I'm right and it goes to 14.9, and I've scaled out of everything between 700 and 750, I'm still a happy camper. Right. But that like exactly. thinking that that thinking ahead to like how how does this either how not really how does this need to unfold, but how does this need to unfold for the bulls? to be in control and then how could this unfold for the bears to be in control um, and i think that that can help you kind of in, in some of how you're planning directional opportunities yeah and and i'll and i'll add to that because that's one thing that i um have really focused on lately has been the sequence of how we get to certain places so especially with liquidity because in essence the liquidity that i want is i want to see Buy side, go to sell side, sell side, go to buy side. So it's the same way that you're looking at things. It's just we're saying it a different way, in essence. Um, right. You know, basically, when when you have a gain level, you want to see something activate, which means that we need to continue pushing higher to activate a high. Right. So we're saying the exact same thing. It's just a matter of of you know, how we get to these certain levels. So, like like you know, today with failing to continuation push on that low yes we grabbed liquidity but when we fail to get acceptance below then we should have been targeting the next buy side liquidity higher which on every product hit today because we failed to get acceptance to the sell side we may you know we got acceptance basically all last week this is the really the first time that we've kind of been halted at the line there I, I guess you could say Friday at the 650 mark, but then we ended up taking it. Um, but but today right. we we pushed it, didn't get acceptance below, and the first like like YM for instance, I traded that today, failing to get below the the swing lows that we had at 32 and 21, we pushed it down to 13 with no acceptance below. The the spot to take for for the the, the buy side was. You could say two twenties, which is where I got out, but in in theory, it was really like three thirties. So you're talking three hundred points on YM today for for the uh, you know for the buyers to to take liquidity. So so in essence, like yeah, they they prove themselves, and now like for me, if if they come down and base like base something like they're doing now on pretty much every single product. Um, like NQ, for instance, like, like for us to have any sort of liquidity, like internal liquidity is what I'll call it. Um, we need to set up structure because on the hourly, we don't have shit till that low. So yeah, the, basically the pull down to 700, the push back up. I'd love to see it. Like Baba was talking about take below 700 briefly. Right. And then basically get a, from there to go take something because in essence, for us to take, like us to take liquidity, so we just took the sell side, we took the buy side on today's move up. I would love to take tomorrow in RTH, take that six ninety nine level that we put in today, as internal liquidity to the sell side, and then for us to target external liquidity, which would be eight fifty four, whatever the high was today, and then targets above us eight eighty seven. 
And then that gets us into that push that we were talking about before we, you know, jumped on at the actual recording, but into those 900s. Right. So like, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of how we get to certain, like certain spots and the game plan of, okay, if, if buyers are going to activate this, where do we need to push? What do we need to gain? If sellers are going to hold the line here, then where is my target on this? Because it's all relevant in what your trade process is. You know, for, for that short to take place today, like if you're looking at the hourly, I, I mean, gain loss is different. I don't know it as well as you guys do. But if, if I was shorting where you were shorting today, the target on my short was the lows because that's where liquidity was. Now you could say five minute, you know, whatever. But if you were just strictly looking at an hourly, the target on that was the lows when we were up at seven seventies. Right now, when you get into other, yeah, I get it. You get other, other structure, like five minute, 15 minute, whatever. But they're like, like, I want to see something kind of set up first before we pull the trigger on something. And I think that's where Bob is talking about. Like, and, and yeah, I, I have kind of a, um, you know, it, it gets me into trouble sometimes where I'm trying to be the first one to the party. Uh, but I know that that in, <laughs> That entry is going to be the best entry that you can have, obviously. So if I take a paper cut on it, and that's why I moved to break even so often. So like if you looked at my trade reports, like I have so many break even trades, but when when they go, like if if I'm right in the right direction, like if I'm right, that trade's gonna go thirty to fifty points on NQ because it's a level where I know that they need to step in. So yeah, if I take if I take a couple of break even trades before I actually see something go, I'm fine with that. So that, like that's why like like a lot of the times I'll go break even relatively quick and I'm not afraid to re-enter into a spot right after it's proven, but that first entry is I'm going to be very risk averse because this is a reversal. You know, like today you're short and I don't know cuz I didn't dig into it, but you're short. You probably could have been break even on that relatively quick. I would assume each one probably went into profit like 10 points, 10 to 15 points just from looking at the the chart and then basically came back and took a stop. So like for me, like, like those are areas where I would still be interested in like a short if that was a level. But if you're not getting the follow through, it's very hard to stay bearish in that moment when you're not being respected when your bias is not being respected two things one thing you guys are good teachers the other thing i absolutely love how you don't just tell me this is what i do this is what you should do this is what i do this is what you should do the fact that you actually like took my chart and drew a thing on it and said see how this happens i mean that's absolute class man thank you and i think that's where we that's where we all started i mean you know for like you know like the teachers that i that have helped me like mentors along the way you know flary being one of them like these are the calls that that's where we basically grew everything like from where we're at and and like like me looking at something flary like flary never looked at it to where it was you got to trade like me because no one can trade like Flurry. No, he, he, like he just has a mind for the market, and and that's the thing. A lot of these really good traders, prof- like professional, you know, people that are out there, 
they have a mind for the market, but I would say a large majority of them don't want to share what they're looking at because it's, it's, it's their alpha, whatever you want to call it. But, but the grand scheme of things, like that's what we're here for is to, is to grow the community and, 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 and learn your process because it's, it's a benefit to us too, because when we, when we review your process and review your setups, like there's stuff that we can pick up from you guys. Like, I mean, I mean, even Lee, uh, you know, look at Baba and I'm sure Baba can talk about this, but like, you know, like that talk with Purdue, um, it's something that was right. then the way that he looked at the market in the sense of like, you know, where he looked at TPO, you know, Purdue looked at volume. He's been looking at it a little bit differently because I think it makes a little bit of sense to look at it that way. So like there's stuff that we pick up from, a, you know, a lot of the traders that are in this room where, and and I think it all goes into the Frankenstein of your process. You could put hundred traders in a room. Vast, I would say, ninety nine percent of them won't trade the same way. You might have some things that are matching up, like you know, if you're looking at a beginner trader, you're like, yeah, you're probably going to have a lot of people trading RSI or whatever, like moving averages or whatever. But but in essence, what you actually enter into a trade in your process is going to be completely different than any other trader. Right. I agree. So it's just a matter of like owning, owning what your process is. I fight that too. I think in summary, um, look at those five minute driving setups yep. that are also gaining something coming through a level versus uh, if the level is within a certain proximity to say like OR or if we just did something like uh, the the places that'll get you is on fail to gain, uh, fail to lose or fail to gains, right? Yeah. So like, if we just like the low was a fail to lose, basically, like in uh, it held right, like it wicked down there, but it held like that was kind of shaped up to now be a hold zone, but we also knew that had the potential to you know be a a low, being that it was overnight low, blah 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 blah. So like right immediately fading a fail to to lose or immediately fading a fail to gain would not be something from a gain loss perspective you would want to do so if you have a level in close proximity to where the auction unfolds something like that then using your level as a propulsion to the next place is probably something to add to the toolbox and then your 5 minute you know some of those 5 minute like candles that also gain something in the move and using those to to look back and see if you can carve out um, a way to risk off of that would be a couple of you know pretty key things i think from from this discussion to to play around with and i mean we can talk obviously anytime yeah i appreciate um, that but you mess with that and see what you come up with and we'll- yeah well that i think that's what i gotta do i think the biggest thing is i i think it's time to expand my toolbox yep and that's going to be just a matter of picking a few things and then looking for them and seeing yeah. what they do. And being okay, like being okay with them not being great. You know, well, that's <laughs> fine. You, so you, you right. eliminated something like you've been like, ah, you know, it's okay, cool. That's progress. That's the thing that right. is hard with all this is sometimes progress doesn't feel like progress um, and it costs you money. <laughs> but. You also learn something. You you would you you have to constantly be learning um, the 
the worst thing is to make a bunch of mistakes and not learn through that process. So, right. Yeah. I think I'm still learning. Yeah, man. And take some, if you see some of this stuff or uh, see some of these things set up or even just like get your levels charted out for the day, post them in here um, to banks and I, um, and we'll, you know, we can, you know, we can have those in the back of our mind or even we can look back through the day and try to help you continue to pick out ways to take advantage of, of that part of your work um, with some possible uh, setups so we can dig out. Banks is, is really good at that. So don't, don't hesitate to throw that stuff over here. I'll do that. Thank you. Much appreciated. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are the best. You really are. Uh, well, we're here. I don't know if we're the best, but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> you, be, as, be as humble as you like, but the stuff that you're putting out creates more value than I could ever imagine. My chances of success are exponentially higher hanging around with you guys than they've been with anything else. So I'm super excited about that. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only, does not constitute financial or investment advice, and should not be construed as such. The hosts, guests, and contributors of this podcast are not licensed financial advisors, brokers, or professionals. Any trading or investment decisions made based on the content of this podcast are solely at the listener's discretion and risk. Trading and investing in financial markets carry inherent risks and past performance is not indicative of future results. Listeners should conduct their own research and seek advice from qualified financial professionals before making any financial decisions. The views, opinions, and information shared in this podcast are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of the podcast creators or associated organizations. Produced by China Shop Productions.